0: God, King of all the earth, we come today before your throne and we plead your blood. We plead for your blood to wash and cleanse us. We plead, Almighty God, we plead that you would open the doors of righteousness for us. We plead, Almighty God, that you would awaken our conscience, that you would take away the blindness from our hearts. We plead, Lord, that you would remove religion from our spirits, that you would quicken us with the reality of the cross and of your resurrection. Lord, we ask that you would open for us an understanding of how short our lives are and how desperate the need is to make full work of righteousness by your power and by your presence. Lord, we have, in the American church, settled into a comfortable religion of prosperity of success, of ambition, of flesh. Lord, forgive us. Wipe away our sin. Come with your Holy Spirit and unveil the wickedness of our hearts and our hatred for you, Lord Jesus. We profess from our mouths that we love you. We sing songs that say we love you. But our actions and the desires and the passions of our heart say that we love the world, the flesh, yea, even the devil. Our children We make sure that they get to the ballet class. We make sure that they get to the soccer. We make sure that they get to all of their extracurricular activities. We don't have time to sit down and read the scriptures to them and to pray and to teach them about you, Jesus. We don't have time to talk with our children about you, Jesus, and to teach them integrity and, to teach them the value of contributing, to teach them the value of laying their life down, that they could be a part of the kingdom of heaven. Lord, forgive us. Lord, I pray today that during this broadcast, your Holy Spirit will come with convicting power that you would stop the wicked game of the American religious. That you would change our hearts. That you would set us on fire. That we would turn our back on all that is of the world and of the flesh and of the devil. That you would call us to yourself and fill us with your mighty Holy Spirit. Lord, if you don't do these things for us, we cannot be saved. And we will be lost believing that we are saved because we never paid attention to reality and to your word and to your Holy Spirit. We were too comfortable in our wickedness. Come, Holy Spirit of the Living God. Come, Holy Spirit of the Living God. Don't let us die in our sins. Don't let us die in our religion. Don't let us die in the anger and bitterness of our hearts. But Lord, change us into your likeness. I pray in your mighty name. Amen. Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. Just a note, if you want to watch this broadcast on your cell phone, on your computer, you're welcome to do that. I am streaming live to the internet. To a YouTube, just look at Ray Greenley, Pastor Ray Greenley, YouTube, and you'll find the videos and today's video transmitting live. I also invite you to go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com. There's an icon there that you can click on, and constantly the last three messages are streaming. They're looping, and you can listen to those. I also want to invite you to come to the National Prayer Chapel. If you really want to get serious with Jesus, and this broadcast touches your heart and you are able to come, I know some of you live way out in White Plains or way out some distant place, And it's much too far. But if you're in northern Virginia, Dumfries, Fredericksburg, please come. On Tuesday evening, we have a very special meeting. It begins every Tuesday evening at 630 Come to the staff entrance at the All Saints Anglican Church in Woodbridge, Virginia. The address is 14851 Gideon Drive. That's 14851 Gideon Drive, Woodbridge, Virginia. Come to the All Saints Anglican Church and come in the staff entrance beside the mailboxes And just knock on the door, and someone will let you in. We begin with prayer at 6.30. It's intense hour of prayer. At 7.30, many people coming from work arrive at 7.30. At 7.30, we begin to speak about these issues that I'm addressing Each person is given an opportunity to share if they choose where they are in their walk with Jesus and what the critical issues are that they're dealing with. We pray for one another. We lift one another up. It is an old-fashioned John Wesley class meeting. You're welcome to come. Now, we also meet on Sundays at 12 noon and from 12 to 12:30 we pray at 12:30 we begin with a welcome you're welcome to come on sunday at 12 noon we meet in the lower lobby the fellowship hall drive around to the back side of the all saints anglican church And you'll see a large white sign that says lower lobby. It's ground level. Come in through those double glass doors and you'll find the prayer chapel on the left hand side. Now, some people drive from Boonesboro. They drive from Frederick. They drive from (laughs) Prince George's County, Hyattsville. People come from Gaithersburg, from Germantown. They come from all over. It's not too far if your heart is hungry. I know you're not going to hear what I'm presenting from most pulpits. So you're welcome to come. You will be warmly greeted and you will be invited to share in the worship and in the fellowship. Our webpage is nationalprayerchapel.com, nationalprayerchapel.com. Now, there are just a couple of things I need to say to you to introduce today's study. I am coming to you as an ambassador of Jesus Christ. I am coming out of the love of Jesus Christ, it compels me to come. I'm convinced that Christ died for me and he died for you. I know that he died that I should no longer live, but that Jesus Christ should live in me. I know he has raised me to new life. I want you to be raised. To new life. Religion is not enough. Doctrinal information is not sufficient for your salvation. There must be a supernatural work of God that he does in your heart as you submit to the, the calling of the Holy Spirit. Now, I want to make it very plain right up front today. I am saved as a free gift given to me by Jesus Christ. I'm not saved by works. I am saved by a free gift of the blood of Jesus Christ. When he died on Calvary, he made provision for my sins to be washed away. And not just to have my past sins washed away, He died on Calvary that as a free gift, I could be made righteous so that I no longer walk in wickedness before God. I no longer walk in sin before God. We're going to deal with that from the Scriptures. The holiness movement of today, as it has come to us from John Wesley's time, has become quite legalistic. I want to be very plain with you. Legalism has no place in a Christian's heart. I am not saved by what I do. I am saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. And that blood comes and transforms me and Changes me and makes me in reality holy, righteous, sinless. Now, Wesley spoke about this very specifically. He spoke about sin, and I'm going to define that carefully from Second Corinthians in just a moment. Wesley said, then there are mistakes that we make. No premeditation, no rebellion in our heart. Mistakes, he said, were not sin. And then infirmities. If I go out on the golf course and I hit that ball and it's not a hole in one, is that sin? Well, in the classical Greek definition, harmatia means to miss the mark. The scripture gives it a different definition. The classical Greek definition does not work with the scriptures. If I miss that hole in one, or I don't hit par, and I don't play golf, by the way, I don't have time. It is because I have a lack of muscle coordination, I have an infirmity. It's not rebellion. Now, I'm saying this to you because the modern church wants to insist that sins are made up of rebellion, mistakes, and infirmities, and that no one can ever stop sinning, and so because they're all placed in the grab bag, the understanding is then that when we die, we're going to be released from our sin. No, death is not my Savior. Jesus Christ is my Savior. So in Second Corinthians, the fifth chapter, Let me begin reading for you in verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. Now, many of you are still the old creation. All of the old lusts, still flow from your heart, the passions still control your lives, but you call yourself a Christian. You cannot be in sonship with Jesus Christ and be in sin. Fellowship with Jesus Christ Sonship with Jesus Christ will keep you from sin, and sin will keep you from fellowship with Jesus Christ and and sonship with Jesus Christ. Now, the problem is we've been much too cheap in our modern culture in our faith in Jesus Christ. We have been deeply compromised so that we think Everyone is like I am and God will just have to accept me as I am and I can't help myself. No. You're right, you can't help yourself but Jesus Christ if you allow him to work that transforming supernatural work in your heart. You are transformed. But people are told all you need to do is accept Jesus And in way of review, you have never grieved over your sin. You have never lamented. You have never wept over your sin until you came to an end of it. You have instead kept your sin, which is hatred toward God. You see, we've lived in the lowlands, the swamplands of the Christian church. The American church today is in the swamp. It is not standing on the high ground granted to us by Jesus Christ. And if we do not leave the swamp land, we will die in our sin. America is right on the verge of God's judgment where he will pierce this nation with his sword. Famine, pestilence. Earthquakes, tornadoes, hurricanes, everything is going to blow apart in America if the pulpits do not come once more and flame with righteousness. The old timers did not mince words. And when I was a young man, they were scornfully spoken of as hellfire and brimstone preachers may may i please say this america needs some fire and brimstone preachers who come hot from the throne of god with a gospel message in their hearts and pour it out on the people to turn their hearts from sin to righteousness who teach the way of the gospel of Jesus and not the way of the modern relational theology. There has to be a change or America is going to die. I love America, but I hate what has happened to us in the church. I hate the way we've been influenced by our wicked government that is criminal in its operation. Look at Obamacare. One th- one person, he said, my my monthly bill has gone from three hundred dollars to nine hundred dollars. How can you pay that kind of insurance bill? It's called robbery. It's called redistribution of wealth. It's called stealing. It is wicked. But all of these things have happened in America because we have in the church allowed them to happen. We had our little life. We had our comfortable little nest. And we thought, it doesn't matter. I'll just settle down here in my little nest. It's okay. I'm just going to... I'll just settle down here. I'm not going to get involved. I'm not going to get it worked up. I'm worked up. I am angry at what the devil has done to God's people. We're called the Laodicean church for good reason. Has to change. Listen. Listen. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. It does not say that the new has come and the old is hanging on as well. Doesn't say that. It can't say that because it's not true. It's not true. Continuing, verse 18, this is Second Corinthians, the fifth chapter, verse 18, all this is from God, that is, this new life is from God, it's not out of our legalistic efforts, it's a gift to us, all this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ, and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. If you're going to reconcile somebody, you're going to have to look very frankly at the differences, and then you're going to have to find a way to balance those differences. If I reconcile my checkbook, I have to go in and find either my mistakes or the bank's mistakes until finally we agree together regarding what that balance is. Well, I can guarantee you, God has not made any mistakes. And if you are not reconciled with God, if you have not come into agreement with God regarding your sin, you are not reconciled with God. You can say, I'm saved, but you're lying. You're not reconciled to God. You've been told an untruth. You must become reconciled with God. That's what I'm here to try, to call you to reconciliation with God. I don't come to speak and offend you. But frankly, we have to look at where we are either out of touch with God, out of harmony with him, and not pretend that everything is okay when in fact we love the world and the flesh. There has to be a change. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. He did not make Jesus to be sin. He could not be sin. He was a sin offering. The Greek does not justify this translation. It is rather God made him who had no sin to be a sin offering for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And that word become is the same word that we get the word generator from, in our day, in English. To cause to be, to cause in our inner being the rising up of the presence of God as he works in us like a generator to, to fill us with his righteousness, to make us literally righteous in reality. No declared righteousness here. Rather, made Righteous. And of course, the word righteous is dikasune in the Greek, meaning innocent, rendered innocent. So the word generator is used here to cause, to be innocent, to be righteous. I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. And then in verse 13 of chapter 6, he says Open wide your hearts. Do not be yoked together with unbelievers. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? What harmony is there between Christ and Bilal, or the devil? Verse 17 says, Therefore come out from them and be separate. Touch no unclean thing, and I will receive you. I will be a father to you, and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Since we have these promises, dear friends, let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit, perfecting or finishing holiness out of reverence for God. Now, how do we purify ourselves? By obeying the Holy Spirit as he says, don't touch that unclean thing anymore. Leave it alone. Don't watch that television show anymore. Don't turn to that entertainment anymore. Don't touch that gluttony anymore. Don't touch those sexual passions that lead you astray into pornography anymore. Stop. Let your heart be purified. Stop telling those lies. Stop stealing. Stop the drugs. Stop the alcoholism. All of these we are given the power to do by the presence and the blood of Jesus Christ. This is what he's saying. Be reconciled to God. Come into agreement with God about your sin and let him move with power to open the door for you. Now I'm going to turn to the book of James. There are some deep things here we need to speak about that will come in close agreement with what the Apostle Paul was writing in Corinthians. But I'm going to open the phones for you. I'm just sensing today there may be some of you who would like to bear testimony. There are some of you who may want very much to be prayed for today. So please, if you'd like to share today, quickly call 877-534-0780. Our brother Kevin, the producer for this broadcast, will take your call, and then he'll forward it to me. 877-534-0780. And please don't call me and ask me to pray for something that's off-topic. This is time to pray about your position in Jesus Christ. This is time to pray for the salvation of the lost. This is the time to pray for America. Or this is the time to bear testimony and witness for what Jesus Christ is doing in your life. 877-534-0780. Now while I wait for just a moment for a call or calls, I want to invite you to participate with me at the calling of the Holy Spirit to give your gift that this broadcast can remain on the air. We're well moving through the month of October and we have a long, long ways to go. So please write to me with your gift of tithes or offerings to the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. Again, it's the National Prayer Chapel, Post office box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia 22195. And some of you have said, What's a chapel? Are you a church? Yes, we are the ecclesia of God. We are a church. The word chapel described a small room, an anteroom in a castle in Europe where they would keep the coats and the boots. It's where the boots were cleaned. It was a room where servants functioned. That word chapel slowly came to mean a meeting place for the people of God. The people of God who are humble of heart, who are servants of the Almighty. That's why we called it chapel. We're the least of God's people. We're here to serve. And so we bring the gospel as ambassadors to Washington, D.C. The National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. Mr. Producer, do we have any calls coming? No calls coming in. I'm not... I'm not surprised it's not easy to talk about these subjects. I used to be disappointed when people wouldn't call, but I'm not anymore because I understand. But as revival begins to break out and men and women begin to get a hold of this gospel and they begin to have victory over their sin, they're going to want to call and shout the victory. Or as the Holy Spirit comes and conviction falls, You're going to want to call and weep before the Lord and share what the Holy Spirit is saying to you about your sin. Again, our number is 877-534-0780. Now, in the book of James... there are a number of things we need to speak about. But let's come to the fourth chapter. From where come wars and fights among you? Is it not from this, out from your passions, are as soldiers making war in your members? You lust and have not, you murder and boil with anger and you're not able to obtain, you're quarrelsome and, and make war? You have not because you ask not. It's talking about the passions that control the natural man or the natural woman. And these passions marshal themselves in our soul like soldiers and make war within our members. Pride, arrogance, jealousy, Envy, disappointment, the lust for for what our bodies are demanding. And he's saying, look, you get angry. You try to get even with people. You speak harshly to others. You don't control your tongue. You shout at the kids. You jerk them around. He's saying you're quarrelsome. And you make war. Some of you make war with your husband or with your wife. You make war with your children. How many times I've watched as a parent becomes a child and fights with their child. The only way they win is because they're bigger. The day will come when they're not bigger. What are they going to do then? you're quarrelsome, you make war. You have not because you ask not. You ask and you do not receive because you ask wrongly that in your pleasure you may spend freely. In other words, you ask God for things, but you still love your sin. And so God doesn't answer your prayer. And so you're angry and you say, well, I'll go get it myself. James, writing to his church, speaks from his pulpit and says, Adulterers, adulteresses, he's saying you have lovers other than Jesus Christ. This is the New Testament church. He's saying you have lovers that you haven't let go of. Please, may I ask, do you have a lover? That you should not have? Do you have a lover in your life that is sin? Is that, is that lover another person that you have no right to? Or is that lover? Is that lover your entertainment? your professional sports, your video games, your television, your programs, your cell phone. I said Sunday, I see people constantly with their heads bowed in worship of their cell phones. They're going to get turkey necks because they're always bowing their head before their cell phone. Everywhere they go. This past Sunday I had to ask someone to turn their cell phone off. It's it's a lover. Or is food your lover? Is hard work your lover? Is money your lover? Are you an adulteress with Jesus Christ? Are you an adulterer with Jesus Christ because something else grasps your heart and you love it more than Jesus? Come on, let's be practical. Let's let's talk about it where the where the tire hits the road. Where the rubber hits the pavement. Let's talk about in reality. Do you love someone or something more than Jesus Christ? by the way you spend your time, by the way you spend your money. You know, show me your checkbook. Show me your credit card. I'll quickly tell you whether your love is money or whether your love is Jesus Christ. How do you spend your money? That will tell me what you love. Adulterers, adulteresses. I'm sure some people got so angry they got up and walked out of the church. Do you not know that the friendship of the world is enmity with reference to God? That word enmity literally means hate. That's the meaning of the word enmity, hate. He's saying, do you not know that friendship of the world is hatred for God? You know, you can be as religious as you want to be, but if you have a lover ahead of Jesus Christ, there is hatred in your heart toward God. And you are an enemy of God. The church house today is filled with enemies of God. They love the religion, but not their God. I hope today you're finally catching what I'm saying. I'm not here to give you deep theological truth. I'm here to call you to the truth. His name is Jesus. and we must leave our sin if we are going to ever walk with Jesus Christ. You can't have your sin in Jesus too. And this issue of hatred toward God must be dealt with to the very bottom, and there must be a a weeping and a mourning. There must be crying and loud wails. As we see the life, we must give up For Jesus Christ. No man will give up his alcohol quickly and easily for Jesus. No man will give up his lust of that new car, that fever in his heart for that motorcycle for Jesus Christ. What man will give up the lust he has in his heart toward a woman for Jesus Christ? Now, Jesus knows that we need husbands and wives. He knows we need cars. He knows we need places to live. He said, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. That is, seek ye first the royal authority of God to be exercised over your life and seek his righteousness, seek his innocence, plead that the gates of righteousness would be opened unto you. Because without, without coming under the authority of God, without his righteousness, you cannot be in Jesus Christ. You cannot be there. I'm terrified. I said this yesterday. I'm going to say it again. I'm terrified by what I see happening in America. To you who are a part of the church, to us. We've not had the teaching of righteousness. It's been blown off as legalism. Again, I'm being very plain with you. Righteousness is a free gift that is given to us by Jesus Christ. But in order to receive that, we must seek his kingdom authority over us. That is, we must seek to be crucified with Christ. And this old life has to be let go of. The lust, the passions. It says your passions are as soldiers making war in your members. These passions must be directed to Jesus Christ. Everything must be released into his hand. He must have absolute authority, kingdom authority, to exercise over us. The place to begin is to say, Lord Jesus, I am now going to set my heart to seek your kingdom authority over my life. And I'm going to seek now with all of my heart your righteousness. Would you open for me the gates of righteousness? Would you show me in my life what is unrighteous and unclean? Will you show me in my daily behavior where I am grieving your heart? Will you show me on this journey that I have chosen to take? Will you show me very clearly where I am no longer reconciled to you, but I'm reconciled to the world and to the flesh and to the devil. Will you show me where I'm out of step with you, Jesus? And even as I say this, there rises up before me so many of you who have called me or talked with me, who are so filled with your own righteousness, you think I'm talking to somebody else you think you have it all together, you have your little rules set up and you have your little life set up. I'm grieved. I am deeply grieved that religion should ever take the place of a personal, powerful relationship with Jesus Christ. That we should not be reconciled to Christ except in some doctrinal manner. That the supernatural work of God has not been done in our hearts so we're blind to our sin. How do I even begin to deal with this? How do I even begin to deal with this? You ask and do not have because you ask wrongly. Friendship of the world is enmity with reference to God. Consequently, whoever may be a friend of the world is made an enemy of God. Or do you think that Scripture says in vain, the Spirit who dwelt in us desires us with jealousy, but he gives greater grace? Therefore, it says God resisted the proud, but gives grace to the humble. You notice, says we must draw near to God. We must draw near to God. We must be subject to God. What does it mean to be subject to God? When a man is subject to God, he no longer resists the work of the Holy Spirit. He chooses to draw near to God. He chooses to allow the blood of Jesus Christ to cleanse and purify. We must then be willing to lament. In verse 17. It says, consequently, the one knowing to do good and not doing it to him, it is sin. Let's be clear. Sin is the result of the following issues. Number one, sin is the result of what is known, not what is unknown. There is an understanding in our heart. There is an enlightenment by the Holy Spirit, and we reject it. It is known when we refuse to do the good of God's will that we have been given a divine revelation about, we are in sin. When we do not do what God asks us to do, we are in rebellion because we did not want to do it. We willed not to do the will of God. Even though we have clear revelation, we know it's sin but we want to do it because the passions have marshaled in our heart like soldiers against us, and we want to do it. The end result is sin. It's rebellion. Sin is rebellion. Sin is lawlessness. First John chapter 3, verse 4. When we do the forbidden thing, or we refuse to do what we have been instructed to do by the Holy Spirit from the Scriptures, we are in sin. Sin is flowing out of an attitude, a volitional, a voluntary attitude on our part that results in the act of our will. It is not missing the mark. It is flat-out rebellion rising in our hearts where we say, I want to be in charge of my life, and God, you're going to have to back off. That's what sin is. Sin is ugly, and it will destroy us. And there is no sentimental Covering over of our sin with some blanket called grace. Grace, according to Titus, teaches us to say no to unrighteousness. Grace is the gift of God to train us in righteousness. And if we think that grace is the blanket that comes down and covers us as God's kids and we can't sin away our salvation, you're a Gnostic believer. You're not a Christian believer. Well, we're out of time for this broadcast today. We're going to continue this same theme tomorrow. Invite someone to listen with you. My heart is so full. I want Jesus for me and for you. I want you to have the full victory. I want you to be reconciled to God. Let's pray. Lord, I lift up my brother and sisters to you today and I ask that you would come in power and would remove their sin and make them righteous, bringing to bear whatever must be brought to bear upon their hearts and their lives to convict them and to turn them from this wicked American casualness and love of entertainment and the love of the lifestyle. Lord, come with power. I pray in your holy name. Amen. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenley, the pastor of the National Prayer Chapel. Go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com. That's nationalprayerchapel.com. And come visit us at the church. You'll find directions on the webpage. God bless you, my brother my sister. It's time to be serious with Jesus. God bless you. I love you. I'll talk to you soon. Before the presence of His glory